Happy Friday, everybody. It is May 29th, 2020, and coming up on the tune-up, we'll get into the NBA coming back in Disney World, but now we're starting to hear more about format and stuff like that. Will it just be the playoffs? We'll discuss all that. Plus, countries and cities around the world all are starting to gear up for summer, concerts, all that stuff. We'll tell you how some people have been doing that virtually. You won't want to miss that. This is the tune-up. Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, Mr. I Want to Dance with Somebody. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, Thanks for playing Whitney Houston on my way in. <laughs> I got my headphones in. I'm like, ah, I'm a little sleepy today. Yeah, I'm a little it's... tired. And then all of a sudden, Whitney hits my ears, and my whole body's rejuvenated. Uh, Whitney Houston, the queen of New Jersey. Exactly. I got to ask you this, though. Speaking of, you brought up walk-up music. What's your favorite song that any of your bands have ever gone on to stage to? Because I know you guys kind of picked uh, songs from different parts of the tour. Yeah, I don't know. I like towards the end when we just started fucking with people, you know? <laughs> play like Hall and Oates, play like just really <laughs> random fun stuff walking on stage. I really like don't like when people take that stuff too seriously. Yeah. But what's... I, you know, one missed opportunity I always feel has taken place is how have no pitchers in baseball ever created their own walk-up music? Oh, not one. Right. Not one hit a studio and just did <laughs> something, just being like, I'm the best. <laughs> you know, even like a country song or something. I, I don't know. I, I feel like out of all these years of walk-up music, you know, somebody should have stepped up by now and then made their own tune. I wish Nick Swisher knew how to pitch. <laughs> I thought Aroldis Chapman made music, no? Did he make his own walk-up? Probably not, but uh, no. I don't think so. I mean, you know, and even, you know, I was listening to the Metallica Black album the other day, and I'm like, another missed opportunity is no one using Sad But True instead mm. of Enter Sandman. Yeah. Imagine how, oh, come on, you're a closer and you came out mm. to that? The hitter would be shook. Because, you know... Most of the hitters in baseball either listen to, to salsa or country western. So they're here. There's no in between. Rolling up. Yeah. Well, Benny, I hope we didn't step on this day in music history, but it's that time in the program. Everybody, grab your popcorn, grab everything. It's time for this day in music history. Do, 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 do. Benny, what do you got? Well, May 29th, 1963. Del Shannon, a personal favorite of mine, cover of the Beatles' From Me to You became the first song written by John Lennon and Paul McCartney to appear on the American radio charts. So the first time they came to the States and hit the billboards was because Del Shannon had recorded their song and released it. He was also a major star in the UK, so there was some crossover. Now, I brought this one up because I want people, if they didn't, to look into the history of Del Shannon. Yeah. A very complex and interesting guy. Runaway, if you really listen to it, is seriously one of the best fucking songs I ever heard. That thing is incredible. Um, it's a genius track. And there's a weird history to, to Del Shannon. In 1980, you know, he was kind of viewed as a, an oldies singer through the 70s and didn't really have a lot of respect. And he was making a comeback. He had a record produced by Jeff Lynne, and he was apparently going to replace uh, the recently deceased Roy Orbison in the Traveling Wilburys. 
So you're like, wow, going pretty good for Del Shannon. And he shot himself. And, you know, you, it's one of those things. You'd be like, oh, was he depressed? Was he this? And apparently his wife sued the makers of Prozac all the way in 1980, wow. uh, saying that that is what caused the, the major change in Del Shannon. An interesting end to a, mm. to a complex character. Wow, yeah, mine is way less complex than that. But I figured, you know, this Friday in particular, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the world. We need some good news. So on this day in 1962, Chubby Checkers won a Grammy for Best Rock and Roll Recording for Let's Twist Again. And Ray Charles on the same day won Ooh. Best Rhythm and Blues Recording for Hit the Road Jack. Speaking of a great baseball song, Hit the Road Jack, maybe an oh, all-time baseball song. Bottom of the ninth song. Get him out of here. <laughs> And I got one more. Yeah. This is my death music history. Sorry. <laughs> um, in 1997, Jeff Buckley, the famed Jeff Buckley, mm. drowned while swimming with a friend off Mud Island. Mm. Now, the one reason I like to bring up this story is like, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of speculation around what happened to Jeff Buckley and all these stories and myths. And, you know, such a young guy just drowns in a river. Nobody knows what's up. And it's been pretty clearly confirmed that Jeff Buckley was not drunk, not on drugs, went swimming in the river, and it was an accident. Mm. Like, like the guy didn't go in with some intention. It was honest, and it just fucking happened. And it's one of those things. And it's so young that people kind of look to fill the narrative with more than it is. And, you know, fuck, it's in a weird way helped his songs last uh, even longer and have become more powerful than they maybe could have. But uh, I, I like to, to bring this up just to, you know, this is just the world sometimes, right? Like we don't have to add the story. We don't have to fill in the blanks. The guy was singing whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin when he walked in his roadie lost sight of him for a minute and he was gone. And, you know, I think we do more credit to his memory if we were just like as an accident and, Thank you for all the music, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. All right, Benny. First headline today. The NBA gets closer and closer to coming back. You know, we've really missed it. it, it it's a big part of this show. And the one thing I'll say is they're coming up with some pretty ingenious ways to try to do the formatting for this to come back. Now, there's a whole bunch of speculation. Uh, there's speculation that all 30 teams are going to go to Orlando. Not sure that's realistic. Uh, there's speculation that there's going to be a like kind of a five-game runway for the teams that are still in playoff contention to kind of make a push there. And then there's just the my preference is, you know, just start the playoffs already. Just do it. Benny, I'll, I kind of want to get your take on all of this. What is your preferred method if and when the NBA comes back to finish their season in Disney World? Well, I mean, I understand both sides of the argument. You know, I understand where, uh, you know, an 11-win team, you know, has no interest in playing a five-game ramp-up <laughs> and, you know, risking themselves and, uh, you know, getting basically back in, in NBA shape to just be done again in four games. So I can understand why... They don't want to do it. I understand why the owners do want to do it, because apparently 70 games is the threshold that allows them to cash in on their cable contracts. So, of course, every owner wants more games, because right. as we've learned, we are only human capital stock to these people, <laughs> and they will uh, you know, move us as they may to keep the bottom lines right. Um, so... To me, there are two reasons to not skip straight to the playoffs. 
you got to allow teams potentially who were just on the outside to have a chance. Right. You know, you still had some, you still had some left in the season and you legitimately had teams that were still, you know, particularly in the West fighting for playoff spots. So if you're taking away the East West structure and you're tossing Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, a couple other teams into the mix, into a small tournament play in scenario, I can see it, and it seems fair. And then also in that scenario, teams have a chance to ramp up for the playoffs. But I think this is only going to work if you basically invite 20 teams to Orlando. Mm -hmm. You know, like the bottom 10 in the league, what's the purpose of them going to this play-in? I mean, at the very, you know, worst, you know, best case or worst case scenario for whoever is watching is that, you know, maybe the Lakers get fucking knocked out by somebody crazy. And that's the last thing the NBA wants. So I think they're going to set this up in a way. I know someone, as far as seeding goes, I'll let people smarter than me figure that out. But I like pulling away the conferences. I like the idea, uh, at least for these playoffs, pulling away the conferences and then going back to a standard format. So you have less of an asterisk uh, playoffs at the end. And then obviously the tournament can't be single elimination. You have to, yeah. you know, have some kind of round robin scenario. But I think it seems sensible. Um, I think the only thing they really got to figure out is like if one guy tests positive, does it shut a team down? Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, these are the things that we're kind of not going to figure out till they get to it. But apparently, the Disney is primed. They have very nice hotels and restaurants and clubs where these guys can <laughs> go out in their little compound. I think at first these guys thought they were going to be in just like crazy dormitories. And now that they know that they're still going to have the lap of luxury. And, you know, this is literally Robert Iger talking to Adam Silver, talking to Chris Paul. I'm impressed with the way the NBA has been communicating at the top. You know, essentially the power players in the NBA having a conference call themselves and determining the fate sort of by themselves, because when LeBron James and Chris Paul and all the superstars said what they wanted to do. It's sort of up to them to just carry it through. So I do think it could work, uh, and I don't think you can jump right into the playoffs. Yeah, no, I think that the way that Disney has handled the reopening of Disney Springs, I don't know if you saw these pictures last week, there were hooligans lined up outside of a World of Disney store that will be open year-round to bring in... Uh, so that they can get their Mickey Mouse t-shirts and, and, and stuff like that. I have a feeling that they're going to handle the NBA a lot better. There's a lot more money coming in. But the interesting thing about this is Disney has been talking about reopening their parks at the end of July, around the mm. same time this whole tournament's going on. Right, so right. I kind of feel like they're, they're they're trying to, like, you know, grease a spoon at both ends. They want the M NBA rent money, but then they also want to have their park open, which means mm. that these players, you know... Maybe it, it would have been nice for the Disney company to have, you know, they have access to the parks, you know, in between games, you know, the parks will be clean and stuff like that. And to not have that, I, I know that that's like a small thing, but I think that it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. Can a big business like Disney put aside uh, half of what they would earn during that time for the sake of, you know, bringing sports back? I mean... Probably not like, right. like you bring up that scenario and I'm like, yeah, a company like that's not, not cleaning and running roller coasters without ticketed people. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> just, they're not like literally every time you did that, they would watch like 50 grand fall off their sheet, you know? Yeah. And 
they're just not going to do shit like that. So I think, yeah, they'll do everything in their power to, uh, to try to maximize both things the best they can. I guess they just got to keep the worldwide sports. Maybe they got to build a wall. <laughs> oh God. Okay. <laughs> Gas bags coming up in a little bit. No, but I think from a basketball perspective, of course you keep the tournament, the way people signed up for it, the one versus eight, you got to do that this year. If you want to do the one through 16 in the future, you have to agree on that before the season. It's, it, it, it's like, you can't start out, sure. out the day playing golf and then end up playing polo. It just doesn't work that way. But I think, the interesting thing about all of this is I think you could very much see a team like Memphis who last time we saw them was getting pretty hot. John Morant was looking better and better. Yeah. I think that when you said the league doesn't want uh, a John Morant team to upset LeBron, I think that's a complete opposite case because if John Morant knocks out LeBron, yeah, there may be an asterisk next to it, but John Morant is officially a star if there was any question before. I don't know if the NBA is happy about that, my friend. No. You know, like, they're, they are just all they want. They will do everything in their power to create this bracket in a way that the Lakers and Clippers see each other in the Western Conference. They have to. That's everything they want, everything they need. Remember, you and I love John Morant because we follow basketball. Everybody loves LeBron James. Trust me, John Morant's not bringing in the ratings that LeBron James is. And I don't think that's a good thing for the league. I think either way, this is going to do a massive number because um, they're already going to have to alter the format, as we said, maybe like a best of three rather than like a best of like five or, yeah. or seven. Yeah. So either way, the ratings are going to be through the roof. I don't think in, in this case, it's going to matter. I really don't. Oh, no, dude, they could. They're, they're throwing a basketball into the air and letting people play. <laughs> yeah. People are going to fucking watch it. That's a fact. I mean, they're breaking uh, ratings records for, for Peyton Manning playing golf. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, people are certainly going to tune in. I mean, if they actually get this going, they're going to be pretty hard-pressed to fuck up the actual the actual games themselves and the actual ratings. They, they It's going to be pretty hard to fuck up. All right, Benny. Each and every week, we survey the Internet to see the worst and most overinflated takes, and we put them together in a segment we like to call I Don't Want to Be a Gas Bag Anymore. But I don't want to be a-, a gas bag! Benny, who's your submission? So, Benny, had you seen Robert Kraft today <laughs> being quoted as saying he sees a happy ending for the NFL? Oh, God. <laughs> oh Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. How did you do that to yourself? A happy ending? This is the terminology we use. You will be memes forever, my friend. So uh, next time you're going to go ahead and talk about the NFL, let's back away on the sexually suggestive things that you would order a very young woman to do for you in a massage parlor, Bobby. Okay? Come on. Play it smart. You're smarter than that. Jeez. Benny, I'm going to keep it in an equally corrupt sport. I'm going to take aim this week at MLS Commissioner Don Garber, who, in a league that struggles to get any sort of media coverage, put out a memo inside the league threatening anybody that leaks information about uh, their, really anything, but in this particular scenario, the beginning of season tournament that they're hoping to have in Disney this summer, or not Disney, but the Orlando area. And what a gas bag, what kind of gas bag thinks that his league is so important? Yes, the TV money from overseas is flying in, but 
you're going to cut off a hand that feeds you in the athletic, probably the most dominant sports publication right now. A, a publication that's been very good to your league, both the MLS and the NWSL in their coverage of it. And you're just going to tell them, hey, if you leak anything to that, well, then you're going to get fired or face a million dollar fine. And Benny, guess what happened? That memo was leaked to the athletic. Nah. <laughs> well done. What a gas bag. That's a gas bag. <laughs> All right, Benny, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how people around the world are doing things virtually these days. We've had, you know, virtual uh, drive-in concerts, drive-in, all that stuff. But one Nashville hot dog stand, Daddy's Dogs, I believe is their name, is having the first drive-in concert at their very own hot dog stand. This is on top of other global initiatives. You know, we talked about your boys over in Aarhus had the driving concert. Well, now they've also had virtual fans via Zoom, uh, which they pretty much put uh, uh, screens in, in the stands and you just see a guy pretty much sitting on his couch drinking a beer in the middle of the stand. So all of this, all these virtual efforts are, are happening. Benny, I got to ask, what's been your favorite virtual either fan or like driving concert thing that you've seen thus far? I mean, these ones are pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty into this. So I've heard a lot of people complaining first off about this idea of like simulated crowd noise or like this Danish league did literally putting screens around the stadium. You know, they sell, uh, they sell free tickets. And then if you happen to be invited, you get a special code. And like you said, you get to sit on your couch, put on a Jersey, drink a beer and you're right in the stadium and they can hear you. The volume's on. The thing I, I like a couple things about this. Now, when you're watching sports on TV, I can hear the crowd mm-hmm. every single time, but I don't see them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're not panning to the crowd. I don't need to see the people. But that noise is part of my viewing experience. You know what I mean? It's been there forever. So the idea of putting artificial crowd noise and stuff like that in, I don't care. It seems natural. And then also, part of sports is you know, the relationship between players and their fans and the way a stadium feels. And then also, you know, home field advantage or home court advantage and things like this. So if the only way you can uh, guarantee that a team in Denmark is getting a home field advantage is putting a hundred of their fans on zooms, you know, laced around the stadium. Well, it's something and it's a start. And I think it's kind of cool. And as usual, the people of Denmark are a step ahead of us. The thing I've learned over the past couple of weeks doing this pod with you, I got to get to Aarhus. Man, oh, this, place, this place sounds freaking incredible. You'd kill it in Aarhus, kid. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you'd kill it in Aarhus, kid. It's a, it's a it's a really, honestly, like Denmark's one of the nicest places yeah. you can go in the world. It's pretty fucking cool. So my thing with these virtual fans and stuff like that, if their mic is on and it's pl- like what they're saying is going over the PA system, you know, the first time someone says something super problematic, it's over. And we're back to the laugh track that uh, that we've been implementing over in Germany. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a learning curve here. I think the way you fix that is you almost give someone a couple muted games or something, almost the way like, Dead spin allows commentators. Yeah. You know, they have to prove themselves a little while before they get their big shot. And then you don't want to blow your big shot when you get it. So I think there's some ways to guarantee that. But, of course, there's going to be some huckleberries, you know? <laughs> All right, Benny. And then let's bring it back stateside here. 
Big Daddy's Dogs in in uh in in Nashville, Tennessee, putting on the drive-in concert series at, at his hot dog stand. Apparently, this dude has managed a ton of famous acts, and yeah. you know he's bringing some local Nashville musicians to play at his place. You know, you drive up, you get your hot dog, and you just enjoy some music. I think that this is pretty cool. Would you, in any of the bands that you played with, be interested in doing something like this, or is this corny? No, like so, you know. I would, I think anybody needs to be open to everything that's happening right now. If right. you feel like you can determine what's like correct, incorrect, corny, not corny right now with absolute definition, then you know even less than fucking people who don't. You know what I mean? Like it's a brave new world. Yeah. Firstly, this guy looks really familiar. And really? I heard he tour managed Cage the Elephant and we've played a lot of shows with them and done a lot of festivals with them. So I do feel like Big Daddy and I have come into contact before. <laughs> you can always trust a hot dog, man. And I like his concept. The cars come. The shows will be live streamed on an FM station in the car. Uh, again, it's a, it's a lottery to get into the lot. I think it's like 40 or 50 cars he can get in. So it's not a huge thing. Yeah. But everybody parks. They put the FM dial on. The hot dogs come right to your window. What could go wrong? Right. And he's he's actually being very vocal about the fact that he's working in cahoots with the city, the mayor, the COVID, you know, uh, task force in Nashville. So he's doing it legit. But listen to this quote from yeah. from Big Daddy. From Big Daddy. <laughs> he says, I probably smoked one too many J's one night, looked at the top of that storage container and said, dude, we should do a concert on top of that. You know what? That's American ingenuity. Oh. A guy named Big Daddy. Is all high, looks at his storage container and says, I'm going to put a stage on top of that. And then before you know it, he's the first one having concerts in like Music City in yeah. fucking Nashville. And this is what I need to end on, okay? Yeah. Also, according to Big Daddy, one of the better mantras I've ever heard, he says, I just saw an empty bun and I added some meat. <laughs> Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune up podcast with two P's at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the tune up HQ. You can follow him on Twitter at Benny Horowitz one number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. I'm at Danny underscore Gallagher. Benny, you got anything else? I do. Rest in peace, George Floyd. Black lives matter. And more than anything right now, everybody love everybody. Please. Please. This has been the tune up. 